Aaron Apke, welcome to Simulation. Alan, thank you for having me, man. Thanks Glad for to be with you. So good. Yeah. So pumped for our convo, bro. Me too. I was I was looking through your YouTube channel and I was like, oh, he's had a bunch of my friends on. This will be fun. And same thing with you. Same thing with you. Yeah. Having so many conversations with my friends. So we're like overlapping in the same networks. Um, the background in A Course in Miracles and Law of One, finding the parsing all of the planets repositories for truth, wherever we can <laughs> find it in the mystic traditions and retreats. Um, yeah. And now being able to share with other people sort of like an accelerated um, with our other selves, the, the accelerated path, the direct path that doesn't get too lost, doesn't go through too much of the noise. Um, yeah. That's what I've, that's what I've noticed about our, like some similarities. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Why waste time? Right. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I think this is a great, I think this is a great place to start. Actually, if you were to give like your distilled um, version of what you found out to be like the nature of reality. Hmm. Yeah. Like what would, how would you describe it? The nature of reality, huh? Yeah, it's like there's less you can say about it, really. It becomes so much more epic as your awareness expands that there's less and less. I think it's more difficult to describe it. Um, but this is what's so interesting for me to talk about is that um, we, you had mentioned wanting to talk a little bit about the idea that gaining tons of spiritual knowledge can actually take you farther from reality sometimes and fatten the spiritual ego more. And uh, I think we've all experienced that for sure. And it's possibly even a necessary and inevitable part of the awakening path. But at a certain point, you learn that your concepts can't actually bring you to reality, right? That the, the, the things you know and learn don't actually touch reality, that it has to be experienced and lived and embodied. And that calls for a very Zen approach of the sort of like the Wu Wei approach of uh, non-action. Like I'm going to stop predicting, analyzing, thinking I know, living from conceptuality. I'm going to just start living from spontaneity, just being with what is without trying to know it or understand it with the mind. Just accept what is, surrender to what is, and let it do whatever it wants to do in me. And I just trust that that supreme power that is moving all of life is just doing its work, like the medicine is going to work in me. And uh, it's, it almost seems like a cheat code, right? Because you're like, actually, I do less and less and evolve more and more as I go along. So that's what's been uh, really exciting for me to talk about lately. Nice. Cool. So there's a couple threads there we can pull on. Um, one of them is like just how simple it is when referring people to like the nature of reality to just recognize that this is consciousness talking to itself yeah <laughs> and then it's like oh like that like that that makes sense like that's i can see how that's unity i can see how that's oneness yeah. um and then and then like uh another good one is that like you'll when when will you come to the end of exploring an unbounded map you know, you'll never right. come to the end. Like that's what infinity is. You'll never mm -hmm. come to the end of 
of, of exploration, of expansion, of possibilities, of potential. And so um, then that one and, and then um, like playing on what you said, I love that point. And I think this is another great topic um, for us to, to touch on is uh, I think this probably happened for both of us where we picked up a lot of concepts and a lot of knowledge and, mm-hmm. um, and there was a, a conceptual intellectual mind that was quite active and it was, um, and it's, it's interesting because as soon as I relax that, and I'm sure same case for you, like the relaxation of that is exactly what opened up a deeper state of emptiness of self-interest. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there was, yes. And, and then the, the Buddhist anatta that no self ended up becoming more and more apparent in experience and then the the capital s self this roaring s god self is all that is left in terms of seeing itself everywhere in everyone in everything and so the what isness like you described in terms of just allowingness the devotionalness to it to like you said it's medicine like life is medicine Mm. oh Uh, yeah it's so good yeah actually play on play on that a little bit more and like what you've seen um with the people that you're serving and them like waking up to that process of like letting go of the conceptual and just letting that um life as medicine oneness sort of do itself yeah yeah well, that's an important part of of teaching anyone i think in this space is that you you must always turn them back to themselves turn them back to their life and understand as much as these teachings may be helpful or feel expansive ultimately they won't apply in you or flourish in you until you take them to reality and live them out and try them out right in, in your life experience and i think that's what devotion means to me is that when we realize that the supreme guru is life and that's the only thing i need to devote myself to then you just start paying really close attention right and there's um something shifts inside of you that there's just like when you're in love with anything to be in love with something really is to be devoted to it so when you when you see reality as it is and you would just ask you know how would i define reality one of the ways i think I experience reality is, I don't know how to put it into words. I might say something like, like aching beauty. Oh yeah. That almost just annihilates you, right? It's you start tuning into it all the time in that when you're chasing knowledge in the beginning of the journey, perhaps there's a desire to have these transcendent experiences. You know, there's a desire for the mystical moment, the mountaintop, mind-expanding, mind-altering experience, and then there's nothing wrong with those. Those are great and very helpful for sure. But then we get addicted and to them and chase them, and we overlook the ordinariness, which is also infused with reality and with Brahman and expansion. And because the mind is looking <clears throat> to reality as being a mountaintop experience, it sort of says, yeah, like that that altered state that I achieve and, and the oneness, the unity, cosmic consciousness, that's reality. And then I come back down to normal life and it's not reality. You know, it's less valid or something like that. And you start to see through that subtle judgment, <clears throat> that layer of judgment in the mind that you just had overlooked for so long. And you go, wow, I've been classifying reality in categories and it doesn't have categories. They're, you know, just just to sit here and sip my tea in the morning is 
you know, a perfect expression of all that is. Mm -hmm. And so we stop overlooking those things and find that they're also infused with beauty, almost to the point where you're, you're experiencing that beauty in everything you do that sometimes I feel like I almost have to shut it out a bit so I can function normally. Like you could be maybe in a, you know, a conversation with someone and like, you just become overwhelmed with the essence of the creator, the expression of the creator that's like beaming off of them. And you can start to get blissed out and, and you're sort of like, man, I gotta like, I gotta come back to this conversation because I'm not even paying attention to what they're saying. You know, it, it can be like that. It's almost, it can be overwhelming and, and you want to be overwhelmed by it, but you also want to be able to be in the world all the time and be present with what is. So it takes integration, right? There's a, there's a balance that has to be struck within you of um, stabilizing in that state. And I think that's um, probably why a lot of um, beings and, and realized masters who, when they're going through their awakening, they go to isolation for a long time because maybe they want to let that process play out without all the, the distractions. And then at a certain point, they feel stabilized in it and they can come back out into the world and teach. And I think a, a bit of that plays out in our lives for those of us who maybe can't go hide in a cave for 10 years and meditate. Life is teaching us always how to integrate a non-dual awareness um, with living in the world of duality and paying my bills, writing my emails, having conversations, right? All the ordinariness you find it's, it's just as divine. There's, there really is no distinction between duality and non-duality. Non-duality isn't better or more valid. It's like they both are an expression of the one. And mm -hmm. so I think that that's devotion, right? Is realizing that and seeing that life is my greatest teacher. And so whatever life is doing is what I want to be doing. Oh, so good. I love that. So there's two things there that I think are great. Um, I think it was Da Vinci. Yeah. Life being the greatest teacher, nature being the greatest teacher. Mm -hmm. And also just in general, like, is that not obvious that like that life itself is like a processing system, that life is infinity, mm -hmm. just processing and actualizing potentiality. Yes. Like, it's just, it's really, it's really becomes evident. And then it's, um, you called it like a, an aching beauty. Um, because there is, it's like the, the polarities, the duality, non-duality are the same, um, mm -hmm. or the simultaneity of them, um, is really important. So you have like, a another way to say that is maybe like a graceful fire of sorts. Like, uh, I like that. this, yeah, this is, this is a, for sure, uh, a fire, like all of the, Yes. Everything that's happening with, like with, with awakening, but also even at like a, a cellular level with like the manufacturing of proteins and all this type of stuff, it, it's a fire, it's movement, it's impermanence. Um, but it's so graceful in the sense of like, it's so beautiful. It's like you said, you can get warped. Um, just your awareness can be so saturated with love and light that you're just like drooling at the love mm -hmm. that is present. And it's just so like, Oh, it's just, it's just nourishing, right? That level um, of love. And, and um, when, when you sort of see that um, as the, like the mountaintop and where you were are one thing and mm -hmm. then, right. So then there's like the anchoring then, or like the integration of said 
um, realization and awakening into the just classical everyday life and in service. That's really, you know, the one of one of the big things that we communicate is the integration of the of awakening into daily life and into um, especially into service into serving the collective. Yeah. Integrated awakening is what it's all about because I think when we talk, you know, you mentioned how non-duality and duality are one and the same and there's no real distinction. You know, I think we need to really let that sink in and what the implications of that mean. Yeah. Because it's so easy for the ego to grab onto a shiny non-duality concept and use it to really bypass the world of duality, which is why I love the law of one, as I'm sure you do, because Ra makes sure to make that point where it's like, look, yes, self-realization requires you to accept that you are the creator and be that and step into that knowledge, but also rest in the balanced awareness of being a soul on an evolutionary journey that has some distortions to be seen and worked out both are at the same time true and i see in in non-duality circles a lot it's it's very it's a very tempting um escape route for the ego to say oh i've learned i've seen the ultimate reality and it's nothingness arising out of nowhere happening for nobody so there's no one to look inside anymore there's no one to inquire there's nobody here and so when triggers happen they're like no no no, no one to look inside, no one, nothing to devote to. There's just nothing. And it's, you know, it's sound and it's true from the ultimate sense, right? That's that is the highest possible teaching. But if we're if we're trying to grab onto that too early, it just becomes another weapon for the spiritual ego yeah. to delay our realization with because we've we have this concept that we think is the ultimate reality. And I always want to say, you know, that's technically true. There's nobody to look inside and all of that. But I know that's not your lived experience because you wouldn't be talking about it like this if it was, right? It's the ego is professing how enlightened it is through you. And so for you, it's like, no, you can know that that's true. Yep. There's no one to look inside and say, well, if there's no one to look inside, why do you keep telling me to do it? It's like, you know, maybe don't worry about that so much. Just keep looking inside, right? Keep finding the division within yourself and becoming aware of it, bringing it back to truth. And when when your awareness is ready for that realization, the, the true non-dual realization of there is no person, there's no one looking inside, there's just looking is happening, but no one's doing it, right? When you're actually ready for that to drop in and be embodied, it will just happen to you, right? It'll just occur to you. You'll see it in your lived experience. It'll it'll connect somewhere in a, in a deeper place of awareness. And there'll be such a peace and a grounding from it of like, oh, almost like a joke was played on me. And now I see it. There isn't a doer of actions. There's no one healing itself. You know, that's just going on as, as the creator's having this dream of itself. But I am that. So I, I always like to encourage people not to be in a rush um, to claim those high-level concepts because I think this is why ancient masters for, for thousands of years in the Buddhist tradition and Hindu traditions have kept those teachings for very, very, very advanced disciples and they don't give those things to newcomers, right? As often, because they know it's it's so tempting for spiritual ego to grab that kind of a truth and use it and weaponize it. And so they they really just want to teach their newer disciples service to others, right? Devote yourself to a higher to the higher truth and just the the basics of of awakening. And once that has been integrated to a certain extent, then there's actually the bandwidth in you, I think, to understand non-duality in a way that doesn't fatten up the spiritual ego. 
Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this plays directly into true simultaneity as well. Like if you can hold all of it at once as well, like I, if you like distilling down the nature into the most uh, simple and um, direct pointing possible is amazing. And like, that's what should be the target and not something right. that's long convoluted unneeded. And so when you do visit things like simultaneity of being able to both be a, a seeming individual that has soul, that has lessons, that et cetera, on behalf of the one. And yet also at the same time, having a duality where there was a veil of forgetting and I did forget that I was the one. And now Mm -hmm. I apparently woke up through this veilless veil and now am the one. And non-duality, which was I was the one the entire time and there are no individuals and there's only the one forgetting and remembering itself. And Mm -hmm. I think and I think that that's a really good way to put it is a true simultaneity of all of those things. And if you can put that into like the first when somebody says, what's my nature when they seek is to provide them with that simultaneity off the bat, then they also don't go into the fattening of the spiritual ego and all of the rabbit holes of that distract them for years. Um, Yeah. 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 And I mean, in a sense, the fattening of the ego will serve them as well. You know, like, like we said in the beginning, this probably happens to virtually everyone uh, on the awakening path at some point. And there's a lot you learn from that, but, uh, but it's interesting how much we can expedite the journey. Those, those processes of the journey by, you know, having good little pointers and, and signposts say, Hey, just watch out for this, you know, just watch out for the way ego loves to grab onto these shiny concepts and start parroting them around. And I even see a lot of non-duality keyboard warriors out there, you know, who are like disagreeing with everyone's post about everything. No, no, you're all wrong. So you're, you're infusing ego into this. There's no person and they just get on there, man. And they're just ripping through people's Instagram posts. And I'm like, see, I don't think the Buddha would be on Instagram you know, rebuttaling everyone <laughs> for their non-duality. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yes, yes. Ah. Mm-hmm. There's almost the hilarity of the simplicity that it was, but that was being overlooked. And so that's another reason why Buddha and so many others just rumored to just be like, there's more enlightenment present in this flower um, than there is in the spiritual texts. And Mm. just, yeah, (laughs) like, so, and that plays into what we were saying about falling in love with just the sip of tea and falling in love with the breath itself and falling in love with seeing the one in the eyes of the apparent other and just doing that so much um, to where you just channel love you emanate love you are love and um and then and then it life becomes much easier too because you you don't suffer you don't cause suffering you shine love everywhere you serve life that way um and like what else could what else do you want like there's nothing else except that yeah you're, you're so nailing it, man. I find that to be more and more true as time goes forward, that that love is always the most cutting edge thing to me. Doesn't it seem that way? Like people can get stuck in concepts about emptiness and, you know, the, the, the ultimate state is the void, is voidness and just being <laughs> lost in this emptiness, no mind, you know, perfect silence. 
And that is an aspect of the natural state, absolutely. But if there's no love there, it's like it's sort of dry and tasteless. It's not that interesting. But even in you know what's happening in the world right now or an interpersonal conflict you have with someone, and to when you're able to bring love into that rather than just, I think sometimes we can, especially when we get good at becoming pure awareness and just being the witness of life, just being the observer, we can almost put life at a distance because you're like, I'm just the witness, nothing's happening. It's like, that's true in one sense from the absolute sense, but there's also the relative, which says that a lot is happening. A lot of evolution is happening. A lot of catalyst is happening. And life wants you to meet that, but it requires love to meet it. You have to love reality. Otherwise, there will be a part of you that can use emptiness as another sneaky way to kind of put life at an arm's distance because you're just sort of dismissing everything as it's just the arising of mind. It's nothing, right? And I find that love is more cutting edge than that, isn't it? It's just more radical. It's It takes more gumption, I think, to go there, to meet life with an open heart. And that's that's the beauty we're talking about when we say like the sip of tea can just overwhelm you with bliss because because you do experience ultimate reality in it. You experience the divine in something so seemingly ordinary that it, it blows you away that the divine is so all pervading in everything. You're like, man, I can, there's nowhere I can look that I don't see ultimate reality expressing itself. Yes. And that to me is bliss. That's joy. Yes. Ah. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> mm. Yes. Oh, so good. And I love, I love how you said that with love being the cutting edge, that in order for you to meet the school that life is for itself, that to come with the love for the school for itself, like mm -hmm. showing up with love for school. Otherwise, the catalysts come. And like you said, there's not a showing up with love for the catalyst that I generated right. for myself mm -hmm. um, versus showing up with love every moment is like, oh, if I just reached too fast to grab my water and knocked it over, that is just a reflection of how fast I was moving, that I mm -hmm. wasn't that I wasn't moving with love and with gentleness and sensitivity. Um, yeah, and mindfulness. Yes. Yeah, so there's so many like examples um, like this, and love is also present when yeah, like when we interact with each other is like right now seeing love talking to itself. When we said earlier, consciousness talking to itself. When we say the one talking to itself, the one is awareness, love, and light. So this is love talking to itself, mm -hmm. and to really feel that is to feel no separation. Um, yeah. And that's and then when all of those last bits of separation dissolve, the only thing that's left is just that love and that light and and you um, and service because then then um, and I'm sure this actually comes up quite a bit. I, I feel like I, I feel like we have so much to talk about and one of the things that I think might be most interesting for us and also for our audiences is the most common patterns. We talked about the, the spiritual mm. ego grasping concepts and getting overinflated and that type of thing. Um, um, we, we, oh, man, there's so many good things that we could talk about, like how to find the most signal, the fastest is another good one to talk about. But I would, um, I would also like to talk about how, um, what shows up most common in terms of, uh, like lack beliefs 
in terms of people feeling uh, unworthy or separate or um, like they want validation from the outside world? And then how do you um, help them like see, like to transmute that? Um, so let's do that. And then I'll also want to talk about like uh, creativity as well as another thing, desire. Nice. Yeah. Can you repeat that question one more time? So what are the most common lack beliefs that are showing up and how do you help um, mm. your, uh, the people you serve transform that? Mm. Yeah, I think one of the most pervasive lack beliefs is exactly what we've been saying here, which is the belief that um, any any aspect, every any moment of life is lacking total enlightenment, you know, in any way. We do that to ourselves all the time. Some moments are holier than others. Some moments are more spiritual than others. And that's a, a huge lack belief that has to be corrected if we are to see Supreme Guru teaching, speaking through everything. So good, bro. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> that, I, would, I would for sure start with that one. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in my master class, one of the things I cover is I go into um, what I call the three beliefs of ego, which sort of speak to the three negative emotions that we suffer from, which I would classify as sadness or really just lack, the belief that I'm incomplete, um, sadness, anger, and fear. And that there's three kind of core beliefs that the ego is only ever pulling from one of these three beliefs to create the thoughts that take us away, take us away from truth. And the first belief is the belief in lack. If you had to verbalize it, it would be like, I am incomplete. I'm not enough. Something is just nice. missing inherently, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that that belief creates the foundation for the second belief, which is basically that my happiness or my fulfillment depends on outcomes. Yes. Things outside of me will fulfill me, right? External fulfillment is the second belief. And uh, that belief causes anger because anytime we're trying to get fulfillment from the world and we get blocked blocked from our fulfillment or our attachments that creates anger in the system. Anger is like the energy, the, the, the emotional body creates to blast through that wall. That's blocking me, right? Use more force to get through it and get the outcome I want. So that's the second belief. And then the third one is also, um, follows suit from the second one, which is I am the doer. I'm, I'm in control. So we have, I'm incomplete. My happiness depends on outcomes and I am the doer of actions, which is a funny sort of paradox or contradiction. I love how the, A Course in Miracles actually says the ego is a contradiction because we know the ego believes it's lacking, but at the same time, it also believes I'm the all doer. I'm the doer of everything. I'm the controller, the initiator of experience. I'm doing all of it, but like both can't be true, right? You can't be lacking and incomplete and unworthy and inadequate and be the doer of everything. So they contradict one another, but ego just doesn't let us notice that, right? That our beliefs about who we are are totally contradictory. So that belief in lack has to be corrected first because it's kind of sets the foundation for the other two that follow. And if you can correct the belief in lack and you knew that there was absolutely nothing lacking, which is a very deep conviction, I think that has almost endless depth to it then you would not believe that there's anything outside of you that can fulfill you. That would be seen as an absolute illusion. And you would also not be able to believe that you're the independent doer of actions because 
absolute total abundance also implies there's no lack of action being done. There's no lack of motion activity. All of it is abundantly provided already by reality. So I'm just witnessing it. I'm just enjoying it. I'm just experiencing it. It's all happening of its own accord. That to me is the state of like absolute abundance where I, there's nothing I can claim credit for because I'm just absolutely overflowing with that sense of inner fulfillment. And that's the state of the uh, Tathagata, right? Is one who is not divided at all within. Uh, it's, it's a state of just non-division, non-separation. And so really it's to me, solving the belief in lack is that daily journey of looking inside and saying, where am I divided in myself? What division still exists within me? And how can I bring that division back to love, back to unity? Beautiful. Oh. Mm. So good. I love the first point on the transformation of lack belief. Um, because then if from, from source, if the first, and this is what Buddha taught with dependent origination, if the first thing that's coming from emptiness, from void, from sourcefulness is a belief in lack, then that's going to create separation, fear, anxiety, uh, wanting to extract happiness from material objects, relationships. Right. I just, I love that because it goes right at the heart of, of, of it, which is if you, if you know what nature is from source, then you know, there's never any lack and you know that like I am absolute Sat Chidananda existence, consciousness mm -hmm. split, man, does everything just flow from that? So, so to shift oneself from um, lack, believing lack is possible, uh, is first and foremost. That's oof, yeah. yeah, that's so so good because it's at the source, it's at the root. Um, yeah, and then the fruits shift because the fruits change based on the root nourishment. If the root nourishment is deprived, mm -hmm. which it is, it's deprived. If you believe in lack, um, right? Then yeah, then the fruits are going to be. They're not going to be fruits. Um, and that's why then there's like sad, sadness, depression, anxiety, but if the roots are nourished because, um, true knowledge is, is present in the entity, then it's so clear that the fruits that emanate are service to others. The fruits that emanate are wholeness. Mm -hmm. It's wholeness. Um, yeah, I love that. I love the going directly to absolutely nothing is lacking. That's so direct. Yeah. But as you know, like the emotions we feel are just the effects of our thinking, our belief system. So by the time I feel sadness or anger or fear, something's already gone astray in my mind. And so I just, you know, simply teach to start back engineering that emotion, sit with the emotion, feel it and be like, Hey, what message are you trying to tell me? And I find whenever there's sadness, hopelessness, weariness, depression of any kind, and you really sit with that emotion and, and inquire into it, express yourself to me, it will always say, I'm lacking something. That's where the sadness originates. So then once you know that that's actually the cause of sadness is the belief in lack, then you just have to question lack itself. Does lack apply to reality? Does it exist in reality? And of course you find that it doesn't exist except for as a figment you can never point to lack, right? You can't nope. show lack, demonstrate lack, prove it, put it on a scale. You can't yeah. do that. 
So sitting with that awareness over and over through inquiry just allows it to become a deeper conviction. And the conviction naturally um, flourishes within you as that feeling of peace or as bliss. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I like how you pointed to metacognition. That's one of probably the most um, important entry points um, for um, for people is when you when you feel um, sadness or suffering is to just gain a level of a, a, an increase in awareness or an increase in perspective or to just use your breath to just slow down and to see like what is this negative emotion trying to teach me um, and it's and it's yeah. usually that I'm believing in lack right now or um, or that um, because you don't, the, the interesting thing is you don't ever feel that when you're serving people, when it's an right. unbelievable freedom that's mm -hmm. felt when, when you're in pure service, when you're the directional arrow is so directed toward the other self's heart and just focus on them that there's so much freedom and uh, felt there. It, yeah. That's when you a hundred percent know lack's not possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, it goes back to what Christ said about when you, when you serve, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. I mean, don't let your ego take credit for the service. How noble am I? How loving am I? But serve for the sake of service because you see the creator, you see God in them, and you can't not love it and devote yourself to it. And that to me is like the pinnacle of achieving a state of non-dual awareness is that yes. Yes. when you just love truth for the sake of truth, Yes. I think that's when you talk about the direct path, the accelerated path, that's when awareness, the expansion of awareness begins to be really accelerated yes. because when your heart is like absolutely immovably devoted to truth for the sake of truth, not because it enhances me or makes me more wise or any of that, which I wouldn't say that that's wrong, but just because truth is reality and I want what's real and what's true because it's true. It's part of my nature. Exactly. When you become devoted to, to truth from that position, awareness becomes like a like the sharpest dagger you've ever wielded. It just starts to catch anything that's based in untruth. Because because when you're in love with someone, you don't have to. It doesn't take any effort to be devoted to them when you're madly in love with them. To notice whatever thoughts in you are not in alignment with that integrity of love, you notice them quickly and easily. But it's when you're not devoted to something that ego can begin to take your attention away to other things. So being devoted to truth for the sake of truth, be doing service for the sake of service, like that's karma yoga, right? It really is one of the most immediate, direct routes to liberation. Fuck yes. Mm. And, um, okay, so then this is what in, um, in, um, master your mind. That's the core, um, one of the core teachings that you'll be communicating. Yeah. We just go really deep into the three beliefs and, and see the infinite variety of ways that they show up in our daily experience. Cause it's, it's just about becoming aware. Right. And if we don't know what to look out for, then we won't catch it. So we, we give a lot of practices and, you know, every day they're doing the meditations on that module, the teaching in lack or external fulfillment. And it's just like sharpening my awareness of those energies so that when they show up, I just start to catch them quicker and quicker. Right. Yep. That's, and that's the metacognition component to it. Right. 
it, the master of your mind is teaching metacognition and it's, it's so good. It's, I love that. So then that, okay. So that eight week course, um, is something you're teaching. Uh, is that the, that's the beginning of 2022? Uh, that one's just year round, like an evergreen kind of thing. It's also evergreen. Um, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So anyone who signs up for that, as soon as you sign up, you get access to module one and each module opens up one week later. So that's, that one, uh, is kind of an anytime thing. The living the course program begins January 1st through December 31st. Okay. Yes. Sweet. Um, and that's a, a, a course in miracles, the living, the course. Cool. Mm-hmm. And that's year long. So I love this. I also love Aaron so much because he distills out what he learns into courses. So, so this is another really important thing for our, for our audiences is like, if you want to integrate, one of the best ways to integrate is to be like, what did you learn? Like, well, what, like what happened? Like, what is metacognition? Like you tell me how to handle a negative emotion now. Um, and then that that's great because then if, 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 if you turn awareness on itself and its process, um, you unite more and more intimately with the one and its nature and you learn how to teach your other selves in the process. Cause now look at what Aaron has. Aaron has this massive library of his content that he's put into evergreen courses. So it's also not something that he has to keep his attention on, which is another good thing is to, for everybody to consider is like, well, there's new strategies that exist where you can package in your content, uh, over a period of eight weeks. So you make videos, two videos, um, for each week, let's say, and then those 16 videos are able to people to access anytime they want as an evergreen course. And so, um, it's so good. And then you get to collaborate with other people as well, like on your other projects, the Love one book club as well. Um, along with the living, the course is that you get to build great relationships with people that you can co-create these courses with. So if somebody else is like waking up with you, it's a perfect opportunity for you guys to both sit down and like, Hey, let's like, let's design something around what uh, we've experienced and share that with our friends. And so it's just, the, it's a cool feedback loop of the one teaching yeah. itself to teach, learn and teach. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree that one of the best parts about doing any course or program, and there's so many good ones out there, is the community that you get to go on the journey with, it really does so much of the work for itself. Just being in community with other people, devoting themselves to these truths and doing the work every day with other people. It's, I can't remember where this is. I feel like it's in one of the Vedas, but they list the five, um, like five essential components for self-realization. You know, stillness of mind is one, um, <clears throat> compassion for all beings, love for all, equally as one. And one of the five that they list is uh, satsang, mm-hmm. you know, community with the wise, with others. And so whether it's, you know, there's uh, Bentinho's course or one of your courses or one of my courses, you get with people who are all doing that work and it just crystallizes and compounds in such a way that it, it just seems exponentially um, more direct than trying to go it alone. And there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that either. But um, if you're looking for right? The most immediate direct route. If you don't want to waste time, then I think get into a community of people that are doing this work, whatever the work is. And uh, that will be probably the best thing you can do for your spiritual growth. Yes. Oh, so good. So good. Um, uh, it's, it's so true. Um, 
because like the faster that you surround yourself with people that you like everybody's experienced this you put yourself into a community or around other people smarter than you you become smarter really quickly um and so find like whatever your north star is and um you know if that is awakening then find the most awakened communities and enter yourself into them but it, if it's just business for now right if it's just like making money for now what do you want to do you want to surround yourself right. with people that are wealthy and that like know how yep. to and so it's the same style of satsang applies to all <laughs> literally everything right whether you're an athlete what do athletes do you know wrestlers when they want to go to the olympics they go to an olympic training center and they train with the best wrestlers on earth yes um in any sport it's like this musicians you, know, you want to play with the best musicians you can because they're going to sharpen you um it's absolutely no different with spiritual seeking consciousness olympics of consciousness baby like athletes of consciousness <laughs> i love it olympics of consciousness it's so good huh yeah like I feel like that's what we're doing. Like the show for sure had a greater um, interest in like science and entrepreneurship. And then it gained a greater interest in spirituality and non-duality. Um, and it's really cool because now the people that a lot of the people that come on the show now, um, I couldn't see are like masters of, of consciousness. Like, and that's really cool. Like to put together an Olympics of consciousness where we're, we're basically we're having dialogue about what is like the core, like quickest way for people that feel separation, that feel lack, that feel like they're trying to like extract and get and um, right for them. Yeah. For them to wake up because that's what um, that's what like this is so good. This Olympics of consciousness. So in a sense, it's like a North Star for us now is taking the individual awakened people and putting them together into a global spiritual awakened community that then works together on, you know, building out the cleanest energy, the cleanest agriculture, the cleanest um, basic needs being met, the most artistic actualization happening across the planet um, and all being done with, with, without creating any, separation so kids being born don't get the onion layers added on to them but and so then that's how the feedback loop speeds up for earth awakening because there's no mm -hmm. built up separation that then has to like be seen through and dissolve yeah i i think that's the answer to everything that's happening on our planet right now is that there's just not a real alternative to offer humanity yet to say hey yes this is the old system the old model the kind of the service to self hierarchical model governments, top-down structures. Um, but there's another model, which is the service to others model, where no one has any rights, anyone else doesn't have. It's all an equal exchange of energy. We don't just try to punish bad behavior, but we just incentivize good behavior. And to, to really have what we call an enlightened civilization requires somebody needs to build it at some point. Like it has to be a conscious manifestation on our part because we're living in an old system, a dying system that's clinging for dear life to stay alive on our planet. And as we've, we're moving into fourth density now, it's going to become increasingly intolerable to live under that system as the vibration lifts. And we'll find there is an increasing hunger for something else, but people don't really know what that looks like yet. And those of us on this path know what that should look like and have the inspiration, the passion, the excitement to build it. We just got to start building it. 
we can't dethrone the old system from within it. It's built to keep recreating itself as long as there's still greed and jealousy and pride and selfishness in our collective consciousness. It's going to keep manifesting again and again, right? So really the, the way out to heal this planet and move into a fourth density civilization is we got to get together, get in community and start building it. And that's exciting. And I love the feedback loop that it has because when when you when we collapse the distinction between subject and object or between consciousness and physicalism, that then we recognize that the more um, awareness, love, light, the density of consciousness, that that vibration is exactly what dictates the physical appearance or manifestation which then feeds back into the way that consciousness experiences itself. And so the, it closes the loop on the subject-object duality. And so you recognize that the, by far the most important thing is the purity of the vibration of the entity, how much it knows itself. And then from there, everything in manifestation becomes so much more pure in terms of service to others, building out mm -hmm. Shambhalas across the planet, making the conscious shift to decentralization technologies, abundance yep. for all, all of this type of stuff, which then feeds back into people being able to go to Shambhalas instead of being hit with the, the corporate hierarchical, uh, centralized, uh, monopolistic, oligarchical fabric that right. has been uh, extracting for so long, um, serving in some ways, of course, but also um, it's, as the indigenous would say, it's not in harmony with the planet and it's not um, in a seventh generation relationship with the planet. It's not thinking right. 200 years in advance. It's thinking like, how can I get for my shareholders tomorrow? Um, so- yeah. So I'm also happy that you have a interest in the architectures, that you have an interest in, um, yeah, in transitioning the planet onto the the next designs. Um, do you that that would probably also be a good spot to to tune in with you a bit on? Is um, are you currently are you currently seeing the like the decentralization of the monetary system and the um, the unleashing of the, uh, the suppressed energy technologies and the mm -hmm. permacultural, um, styles of, of creating abundance. Do you, do you feel like, um, those are at the core on like the physicalism side of like meeting basic needs and, um, like fractional ownership for everybody or nobody owns also another way to say it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You'll own nothing and like it. Yeah. Um, I think this is one of the things that the um, top down power structure system seeks to do is to really instill this belief in lack in the collective consciousness that man, especially like through this pandemic, right? There's this um, feeling created of like, gosh, the world is so dangerous and deadly and full of evil diseases just waiting to leap into your body and murder you. And there's so much scarcity in the world. It's the, there's a supply shortage and it's all this giant illusion, right? Because all that's happening is the abundance of the planet and of reality is just being hidden and suppressed so effectively that people are buying into this illusion that we're lacking. There's not enough resources to go around. So that's one of the exciting opportunities that building an enlightened civilization and enlightened community 
offers is that, as we know, there's so many free energy technologies that have been invented that are available, but they get hijacked. You know, FBI shows up and takes it away the next day. And these people have nowhere to go to begin using and integrating their systems because there's really no communities yet crying out for that stuff or attracting that stuff. So yeah, we can get into a self-sustaining community that we build that's totally independent of the system. We grow our own food. We have our own doctors, our own medicine, our own technology, everything. And then now that we're not relying on the old system anymore, we can bring in free energy technology in our thriving community and start using it, start putting it to use. And then people will start to notice, hey, have you heard that down in wherever they are? Um, they're using free energy already. What? Yeah. And it's all crypto based. What? Yeah. And it's all self-sustaining. People will find out that this is already happening somewhere and that will spark, that will open, I think, the awareness in our collective that there is absolutely no lack. There's just abundance and we can create, we can have a world that lives in abundance. There's plenty to go around for everyone. But in the old model, it's a system built on lack, right? It's a system that's built to disempower or suppress the individual for the sake of the institution or the elites. And uh, we have to flip that upside down and say, how do we create a society that empowers the individual? And, and that's what's really exciting is in a truly enlightened world, everyone will just do what they're most excited and passionate about because as needs arise in, in societies, we see this happen in our world. How does any new technology, any new product get invented? It's because some need surfaces and then somebody gets excited about filling that need. A passion ignites in them and source consciousness manifests an answer. Some new product that's super innovative or whatever. That would be how society would thrive is that everyone would just be incentivized to find your passion and give the value to the, to the system that you can bring. And that, that way there's, it's value in value out. It's um, like ACIM says, the law of love says that giving and receiving are one. So in true giving, there's always an equal exchange, right? There's never like, I have to remove or deny myself something to give it to you. That's how the old model um, works and thrives. And it's just not true. It's just an illusion, right? There's absolutely ways we can provide value that returns back to us and not have to live under this, this system of lack anymore. Yeah. Hmm. Ah, it's so good feeling into awakened architecting. It feels so good feeling into it. And it, it's also so good when I see the little like four-year-olds running around and playing is like seeing them already playing in these enlightened civilization architectures. Um, it feels so good. And like, that's our star. That's what motivates right. us. Um, I love that. Um, so how to bring, let's say, um, you me, what we're doing um, with No Limit Society here or what uh, you're doing with the different initiatives and the different communities that you're involved with or like Aubrey Marcus or whatever, all of these different spiritual communities. I'm so interested. Like we talked about the Olympics of consciousness. How do we bring the spiritual communities together to do the architecting and also to like to reflect to each other where 
we can still come from a more pure place or where distortions may still be hiding or, um, or yeah, like, or like, uh, how to take the things that we've refined as pedagogy and be Mm -hmm. able to share that, that type of thing as well. How do you envision all of the islands coming together? Hmm. I think they, they will just come together so naturally when we begin encouraging people to just get in alignment first like stop doing things you don't want to do because you're you're in a sense you're still betraying yourself in a way when you're doing something you don't want to do that's not your highest excitement it that that's the belief in lack right well there's not room for me to do what i'm passionate about or or it's oversaturated there's not enough you know for me to make a way doing that these are the only beliefs that hold us back from really stepping into what our destiny is in this life and I think that we just won't realize our potential. It won't and can't be actualized until we start saying radically saying yes to that. Meaning I'm only going to do what I'm inspired to do. I'm going to, I'm going to pursue the passion that source has placed inside me because I know that that passion is not my, the person's passion that is actually the source's desire manifesting through me. And so the most aligned thing I can do is say yes to that. And it doesn't mean that you're, you're working another job while you're transitioning or anything like that. It just means you're prioritizing your excitement, your giftings, your passions. And I think that um, like I went to an event this weekend in San Diego called the heart of freedom and met up with all my friends were down there and everyone is so uniquely gifted. Some of them are doctors. Some of them are experts in crypto and building blockchain technology Some of them are experts in um, entertainment, music, content creation. And we're just sitting around, hanging out with each other, just looking around like, man, there's nothing we can't do in this group right here. We could start building a self-sustaining, thriving community today. And if we need another gap needs to be filled of, uh, we need someone who's good at this trade or technology. Say, hey, I know a guy. And they invite their friend to come in and when people feel the love, the unity in those in these circles that we build, these communities we build, it is so contagious. It is so infectious. It's irresistible to people. It's what everyone is looking for, right? A place of unconditional love and acceptance where your uniqueness can be expressed and appreciated. And there's a place for you to fill gaps and give value back to others. I mean, everyone's doing service to others. Everyone's being fulfilled, expressing their passion. To me, that's the essence or the foundation we have to build the enlightened civilization upon. And again, there it is, right? That system incentivizes everyone equally. Yeah. Yeah, and there's the deep trust and there's the deep surrender and the deep faith that this collective is totally going through a shift to fourth density and that it's very visibly having abundance and architectures for prosperity for everybody. Um, but that it's, it's rough. It's not a, you know, it's got its war and it's death and it's calamities and disease and all these types of things that it had to go through. You know, Charles Eisenstein also said that about like the planet's just going through its absolute hardest separation possible in order for it to, like a rubber band snap right into yeah. its greatest enlightenment possible. Yeah. Right. So cool. It's, it's the dark night of the soul for mother Gaia, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it feels really good when like seeing it on a big picture timeline feels really good because you can become that allness in a sense, like being the all that is falling asleep and remembering itself. And then it, and then that, you know, that really inspires you too, because it makes you more formless. It makes you more, um, everythingness. It makes you more no thingness. And, and then it decentralizes your consciousness even more transpersonalizes you even more. Um, and it feels so much better. It, f- it makes love so much more easy to channel when you're like that. Um, it makes devotion easier too. This, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, good. Supreme devotion title of our talk today. It's like, I'm just devoted to the highest good of humanity. I think, um, David Hawkins uses the scale of consciousness, right. And talks about how, um, enlightenment begins at 600, 700 is self-realization, and the higher up the scale that you move, really beginning at the 500 level of love, your natural disposition towards life just becomes increasingly, I can only do, I, the only actions I'm interested in taking are actions that benefit the whole. Because your awareness of oneness is so great at that level that um, a Ramana Maharshi level sage, literally every action they take, every word they speak is for the good of others. Yeah. And if, there, if there's nothing arising to do or to say for the good of others, they stay silent. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the epitome of self-realization is that your sense of self is completely non-divided yes. that, um, every action you take is, is to benefit the collective just naturally. Uh, that's, that's, what's exciting. And I think that the immediate route to get there is we got to work through a lot of this darkness that's manifesting. You know, we've had tyranny control enslavement on this planet since day one of humanity. This has been the modus operandi for all of human history. And we can't move towards a truly enlightened civilization that benefits everyone until we meet these energies we've been entertaining on this planet for millennia and forgive them and heal them and see them as futile, right? See them as irrelevant to where we're headed. And then naturally they'll drop away. And that's what we have to do in our individual lives, right? So often, if you're you're really devoted to truth, that means you lose the ability to skip over or bypass anything because you understand everything in creation is happening for a reason. If there's a shadow, a trauma in me, an unhealed aspect of my consciousness, I can't skip over that. I have to be devoted to healing that as well, which means I have to let myself feel how I feel in this moment. And that's a, that's a tricky one, right? Because a lot of times we don't want to feel uncomfortable, especially when we are experiencing lots of peace and stillness but there's still some things within us that we haven't maybe completely healed yet. I find myself doing this all the time, just moving through my day. And there's just a very subtle layer of anxiety in my mind, different tax tasks I got to do. And it, it builds up so slowly during the day, right? Where you don't recognize it until it gets to a point where it's intolerable. And then you're like, Oh man, I've been, I've been ignoring this anxiety all day and just realized it. Because I'll be like, oh, I'm going to go read. I'm going to go meditate. I'm going to do something because I don't want to just feel what I'm feeling and inquire into it, right? That's the first step to true transcendence. And so when I see what's happening in the world, I see it, it works the exact same way with the planet. There, there's no skipping over this. We have to see you know, the, the child trafficking, the, the drug trafficking, the wars, the genocide, the tyranny, the authoritarian control. 
We have to be able to see all of these things and understand where they find their root in us. I can't judge the greedy elites for hoarding all the wealth to themselves. If I have any trace of greed in me, I'm contributing to their greed. I'm, I'm manifesting their greed if it's in me. So less and less we judge the world and more and more we look inwards and take responsibility. And that's not the sexy thing, right? That's not the shiny non-dual concept, but it is the fastest route to freedom if you want freedom. I love the straight up not talking unless it is in service to the whole. Um, so good. I love the sense of self being so decentralized that that is, or so realized is another right. great way to right. Oh, realize, realization is decentralization or decentralization is realization. That's pretty cool. Decentralized <laughs> ego. There's a synchronicity. <laughs> that's also cool right you can look at things innovations like crypto and how how cryptocurrency is solving the problem of financial corruption on our planet which i think really is if we had to point to one thing that contributes the most to the forms of corruption it, it has to be the way finances are manipulated in the world right through the banking system and all this and fiat currencies and money printing it's like how do we get rid of that corruption well we can't solve it in that system we have to just build a new one that makes the old one obsolete. And if we look at how cryptocurrency does that, what does it do? It gives you, it puts all the power in your hands to be your own bank. You don't have to depend on anyone outside of you with your money anymore. Um, we as a collective decide what these coins and tokens are worth, right? The, the market determines the value. And so it can't be manipulated by any one person or institution because all of us have to agree on it, right? We all have to agree that Bitcoin's worth something because if, if tomorrow we woke up and went, Bitcoin's useless, then the value goes to zero. It's only worth what we say it's worth, right? That to me is such a great parallel to the journey of awakening is realizing my oneness with everything. Stop dividing myself, stop compartmentalizing everything. You know, it's so cool how everything is fractal, right? It's all really one thing. It's the same healing, evolving process everywhere you look. Yeah, <laughs> we could get into blockchain and all that too, but so good. I love that. The um, one of the cool, yeah, one of the coolest visuals is to see um, the one as yeah, just fractaling eternally and um, expanding and exploring and um, and actualizing that potential and just knowing that like I am that like and that. Um, as I wake up, I just serve myself waking up and um, like it just, it can't really be more like simple than that. Um, like I love consciousness, right? Like how can you not love consciousness, right? Right. And that means you love everyone. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh so it can be so simple and kid-like too. Or like I love existence and then I love all that exists. Um, you know, uh, I love reality. So simple a child can understand it. Yeah. Yes. And and then like, and then the childlike joy and like freedom can come up more. And um, 
like before all of those layers, because you could even say that like the deconstruction project that is uh, awakening or enlightenment, um, in a sense, it doesn't even have to happen if there's no construction job that happens in the first place, like right. of all the layers of separation and conditions and right. location in the body and all this type of stuff. Yeah. Unworthiness. So like, that's a great North star for us is to uh, build the future where there's no uh, onion layers for kids that even get a built put on in, in the first place. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I love the quote the Buddha made um, after he, you know, attained enlightenment. One of the things he said was when I awakened the whole world awakened with me all at once. And um, the course touches on that when it talks about um, the Christ in you is the savior of the world. When you, when you discover your Christ nature, um, the whole world is saved through you. It's the same idea, which I think is touching on seeing that innocence, that essence of the creator and everything that yes. it's perfectly innocent and transparent and free and perfect. And as you recognize that in others and in yourself, you start to realize, yeah, everyone's actually already free. There's just the illusion that they're bound. They just don't know that they're free, right? So when you see someone who's deeply lost in delusion and ego and the dream state, you actually see that as enlightenment in a weird way because you realize without the dream state, there's no awakening. Without illusion, there's no enlightenment. So they're actually two sides of one coin. It's this process of source experiencing itself. And that enlightenment is inevitable in every living being, whether it's in this life or the next life but it is going to happen. And the contrast they're building now will set the context for their awakening later. So in a way they're awakening now, they're already awakening, even though they seem on the surface layer to be totally unconscious and lost in, a, in delusion, a part of you recognize, recognizes them as awakened. I just find that to be interesting and it, it doesn't make conceptual sense obviously, but it is, it does become a lived experience. Yeah, and that also <clears throat> plays really importantly into seeing people as probabilities and seeing like always being tuned into their highest possibility. Um, right. Yeah, and like seeing them already as God as the one, um, and and uh, like in a very non-attached way. That's another really important thing is the non-attachment because. Um, and, and actually natural radiance is what creates um, the service. The service is really anchored in the non-attached radiance of, of love. Um, and the graspiness or the neediness of the other to accept the, the awakening that's being communicated or whatever is uh, it's, it's more about the, where it's coming from in the lack of where um, the lack felt from where it was coming from, from the entity of where it was coming from. Um, yeah, bro. I feel so good. I feel so good about like, I love how you love David Hawkins. Also, I feel so good about his um, levels of consciousness, his map of consciousness. It's just so on point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like that's another one of those like maps or symbols that we've sort of distilled and integrated. And, um, and I think that that's one of the other cool things is like at some point, you know, 
in five or 10 or 20 years, like younger people will be looking at the people we've studied and also they'll be studying us and they'll be trying to distill out what we communicated across our books and our courses and our videos and our content. And it's almost like, yeah, it's like a responsibility to us because that's the fractal like nature, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like a responsibility for us too to um, to give them as much signal as possible as quickly as possible. So I think that would, that was another point that I wanted to mention is um, like, if, if you are, I know it's tailored to each individual exactly um, as it is needed for them, but like generalities in terms of generalities for know yourself, accept yourself, become the creator and generalities. Mm-hmm. Um, do you typically point to things like, metacognition, um, for becoming aware of, of awareness? Do you point to like doing shadow work for getting through your core lack beliefs, seeing through them, um, for becoming the creator? Do you point them to like the, who am I self inquiry teachings of Ramana Harshi? Right. So uh, what are your generalities for the most signal fastest? Yeah. Well, I, I just love ACIM obviously so much. And I think it's, um, in a lot of ways, it's sort of just like a handbook to enlightenment. So I do, I think I probably follow pretty closely to a lot of ACIM teachings, the chief of them being forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is just the act of becoming non-divided, unseparated inside myself. And there's different ways you can even teach forgiveness. You don't even have to use that word. But um, non-doership is one of my favorite things to teach just because of, I think, the realizations that are available if and I acknowledge that it takes some time to sit with for, for most that to say you're not doing anything is the most ridiculous idea the mind can entertain because man, it's one convincing illusion, but to begin to penetrate through the facade of ego by, by pointing people to their direct experience, I think is the most powerful because their direct experience will begin to show them um, these truths naturally. So to give a pointer like, what we call the person that we think we are that we relate to as me is actually really just these five sense organs. And I'm I'm just sensing, I'm experiencing taste, touch, smell, sight, and all that. And it appears because of the five of those happening all the time, it it feels like there's a person doing it. Yes. Yes. So it's like, go to your senses and find out through daily inquiry, find out if there's a person doing hearing it's being done by an individual entity or does it feel more accurate and honest to just say that it's sort of just happening and there isn't anyone at the helm like don't hear this just stop hearing this right if you're the hearer don't hear what i'm saying you start to question those things and it breaks down that illusion and you say oh yeah there's actually no hearer but hearing is happening there's no seer but seeing is happening and you start to disidentify from so many of those illusions and in my, at least in my course, by teaching this in many different ways, it starts to give people some breakthroughs in their ordinary perceptions, their dualistic perceptions, and they start to have an experience of what it means to say, there is no doer doing the living. I'm just being lived. And that's living from flow, right? Once, you're, once you start to connect with flow, man, spiritual growth becomes so accelerated, so easy, so natural, so simple. Because it's all being done already, right? You're just sort of, we get in the way of our own awakening. 
by thinking that we're doing it rather than that it's just unfolding through grace. So it's like, that's what I try to show my students a lot is that you're not in charge of this ship of awakening, right? It's just happening in you already. So it's like, get out of the way, surrender to it, allow awakening rather than do awakening. So good. <laughs> awakening is allowed, not done. <laughs> it's big. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Life is a mat is an infinite processing system and to like allow the processing system to, to happen, um, to expand, um, yeah, rather than the contracted sense of self to do, um, so good, such a good, like, mm, contrast there. Yeah. And, um, and then to associate oneself like identity wise with life, with the processing system, um, with the allowance, um, mm. And then I would also like to ask, that's great for parsing for, for signal. And then I'd also like to ask, um, so we, with no limit society with Bentinho, have been doing a lot of work on, um, on desire and like the juxtaposition between desire and like wanting, right. Mm -hmm. Craving, right. right Craving right. is like ego grasping, yeah. grasping and like desire is like God desire yeah. is like the expansive force of the universe. Abundance. It's like, abundance shambhalas yeah this type of thing yeah so we, tell tell us about how you feel around like desire like the north star creativity yeah how you feel about that i love it i love your um using that north star analogy so good yeah like you're you're always devoted to something yes whether you know it or not might as well devote yourself to the highest yes and just to play on the the, the book um that i first wrote uh, last year called high level perception. The logo was a triangle with a star at the top. Nice. Right. That's cause that's what it is. Like that's the North star perception. You're always, whatever's in that position is what is the probability space is carving itself out. How it's carving right. out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, going back to how we were saying, let life live you, let awakening happen, get out of its way. Um, ICIM uses the teaching, I need do nothing. And it says, uh, <laughs> like that, that phrase, I need do nothing. It says, is a statement of allegiance, a truly undivided loyalty. And then it says, believe it for just one instant, and you will accomplish more than is given to a century's worth of contemplation. <laughs> That's pretty radical. Yeah. But it's like, do I believe that? Because what matters is, do I believe it, right? I yes. can have the shiny concept and I can teach about it, make memes about it or whatever. But do I really believe it? Because if I believe it, it'll show up in my devotion to life. It'll show up in my daily surrender. It'll be evidenced in the way I engage with my life. There will be this loss of ability to resist. You know what I mean? Mm. There will be a loss yeah. of ability to criticize what's happening. And more and more, just a stepping into it, an opening, a softening, a merging with what is. And that's where power is. That's where divine potential is actualized. So that's what I'm always excited about in my own life. And when you talk about the the experience of living from abundance, to me, that's that's the whole essence of it right there. Bro, I feel like we are even just getting into flow right now. Like together. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can feel cool. it when you're in it. Yeah, I feel so good. Um, dude, okay, so un this was so good. 
um, when you say I, I need do nothing, um, and then this like the undiv- the non-division and the undivided loyalty, the supreme devotion really kicks in. Just like you said, just the like the allowance of that, um, the flooding of then the love and the light that comes forth, the service that comes forth. But contrasting that with studying the libraries full of concepts. I love that. I love mm. that contrast because it's yeah. so true that you could spend millennia reading the corpus of this collective. But you would never uh, in that time learn, I need do nothing. Uh, and then if you really allow for that for a bit, I like how you said um, there's a loss of resistance. That's perfect. There's a loss of resistance um, emerging with what is. Yeah. And yeah. then I love this. I love the simultaneity of the of the of the merging of what with, with what is the loss of resistance to what's appearing and also recognizing that what's appearing is just God's will of the past in the present. Mm -hmm. And so then you sort of, you unfreeze more and more of your will and you recognize that right now I am creating what I'm going to experience in a year. So Mm -hmm. do I, do I want to, uh, do I want to, write a book? Do I want to start a show? Do I want to um, hang out with some friends? Do I want to move back to my hometown? Do I move to a different country? But from right now with your creator stylus is God expanding itself into its infinite potential. So like, and that's a great way to, to like simultaneously recognize the non-resistance and the creatorhood. You are an infinite creator. And so to like see the simultaneity of that, no resistance to what is because it's just a collection of what has and also a just like so much of like an adoration for the paintbrush also. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so man. Good. Yeah. That's another way you could, we could look at devotion or, you know, bhakti. It's like being devoted to my highest potential. It, you start to see that as sort of the highest act of worship that you could give to the creator is that the creator has made me a fractal of itself to express some amazing aroma, essence, fragrance of what it is. So what better service, what better love, what better worship could I give the creator than to allow, again, that potential to be realized? It just, it's so intuitive, isn't it? Something in you just knows that this is the highest form of worship. It's like, I could worship Christ from a distance. I could worship him on a pedestal. And that's um, maybe helpful at a certain elementary level of our spirituality. But at another level, you start realizing, no, no, to become Christ is the greatest act of worship to Christ, right? To manifest Christ is the highest form of worship or love. And so then you begin becoming busy getting about your father's business, as Christ said, because you realize it's, it's the same thing. Like, like the course teaches God's will and my will are one. There's only God's will. You just haven't realized it's actually your will. Yes. And when you introduce a separate will, that's what we call suffering. <laughs> just don't do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Don't introduce separate sense of will that equals suffering always and all the time so good as byron katie says but only a hundred percent of the time 
Ja. Woo. And like and like I love I love where where we've been going also with with recently with with desire and uh and like the law of attraction um Abraham Hicks cuz what you have is you have this God's will that becomes roaring out of your heart. It's yeah, yeah. God's will roaring out of your heart in service to itself awakening, in service to having the shambhalas for the children to come. It's so good. It's and that's yeah. like, it's just there's no, there's no. Oh my gosh! And when you reflect back, like ten years ago, to how much more contracted in service to self oriented. Wow, what a liberation! What. Yeah, yeah a liberation what freedom um and so just to shift the polarity to service to others and to like moving attention like more and more away from um serving myself and getting for myself but to shift attention towards others serving others i mean that in itself is such a strong teaching like karma oh, yeah. yoga like you said like that's that is such a you could say one of the most, yeah, rapid accelerative paths, even more so than Yana, than the knowledge mm-hmm. or Bhakti. Um, Bhakti's great too, and so is Yana. But like, yeah, Karma Yoga can really quickly um, push you from a service to self, ego oriented state of being to an oh, yeah. awakened state. Yeah, you know, Ram Das's guru Maharaji famously, whenever people asked him, "How do I become enlightened?" he would say, "Feed the poor." He's like, that's my highest teaching, you know? And I see that, that karma, karma yoga is really bhakti. They're the same thing at the mm-hmm. ultimate essence of what they are. It's, it's devotion to, to love. And, uh, I talk about this sometimes in other interviews I do that, uh, I grew up Christian. I did, uh, I was a worship leader. I did the Christian thing for 23 years. And, uh, as we all know, the Christian religion as it is today, at least, um, has very distorted theology, very distorted understandings about the divine. But what they do really well is the bhakti. They they worship God relentlessly. They sing songs of praise. They they do service to others, feeding feeding the homeless. I was always doing that stuff. Yeah. And when I left Christianity, when I had my awakening out of religion at 23, I went headlong into um, the more masculine oriented religions of Buddhism, Taoism. And to an extent, Hinduism, <clears throat> learning about the wisdom approaches, the jnana, right? What I wanted was wisdom at that point because I had so many distorted beliefs about God. And so I spent, you know, five to seven years just diving into those texts and teachings. And man, it served me a ton of good. It was absolutely what I was missing. But at a certain point, I became, I think, a little too overbalanced on the wisdom side. And I had, for almost years, I had sort of forgotten that God is love. And God can be loved and experienced as love. God had become an intellectual pursuit, right? And I was going through a really intense bout of depression because I had all these shiny spiritual concepts that weren't getting getting rid of my depression. It's like I know non-duality. I can teach it really well, but I'm still depressed. And this was years ago when I was living in the Bay Area. And I got to this point where I just broke down one night and just started crying out to God, just complaining, being like, I don't know what else to do. I I devote my whole life to spiritual seeking. I fucking meditate. I try to forgive people. 
Um, I, I read, I study, like, what else do I need to do to get liberation? And it was like a ray of sunlight bursting through the clouds or something. I swear this like voice dawned inside of me and said, Aaron, didn't you forget that God is love? You forgot that I'm love. You just think I'm, I'm knowledge now. Yeah. I was like, so oh, good. man, I did forget that. And at yes. that point, what felt like the best medicine to me, because I was just so, you know, depression is like being so self-absorbed. It's, it's a type of narcissism in a way. I was so depressed with me and my sad story that what felt like medicine was I wanted to go to children's hospitals and sit with dying children and love them and bring them toys and, you know, do something to get out of myself and get beyond myself. So that's what I started doing. And like you said, it was the most immediate way out of that dark night. It started to fill my heart with the love of God. And that love became the medicine I was looking for. It lifted my soul to a higher vibration to where now I can actually integrate these shiny concepts I've collected because the foundation for everything is love. If you don't have love, you're missing the picture still. Wow. <clears throat> what a good take on fourth and fifth density um, there. That's good. And then the unification in six, that's so good because, yeah. um, and I actually, I really like putting it like that way, like where you have a, a like a Abrahamic style of service uh, and like the love there. And then you have this like uh, Hindu, Tao, Buddhist style wisdom uh, and, and like the merging of the two. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it can be a cool way to, to view it. Like, you have to have the wisdom of yourself as the one infinite creator, as capital S self with yeah. no lowercase s self. But you also have to have this Christ consciousness of love, of just infusing every single moment with mwah and, and just <laughs> in that vibration. Like, yeah. And those two together are unstoppable, unshakable, yeah. um, indestructible. Um, eternal, infinite, I mean, abundant, mm -hmm. prosperous, uh, giving. I, there's so, so rich, such a good way, such a good way to put it. That's the know yourself, love yourself, and then become the creator. Yes. If you can't know yourself and love yourself, then you definitely can't become the creator, right? Yes. So cool. Um, Another one um, that I feel is good to to touch on with you is that um, when you have a a myriad of people that are seeking and that are attending, like you've you've sort of. Um, You've, you've created new operational efficiencies for yourself where you've um, created evergreen courses, things like that, where now people can come and like take the evergreen course and that way um, you don't have to um, focus time on the daily to that, right? It's a recurring thing. It's, it's, yeah. it's quite nice like that. Um, the, the question is like, when you're having people hitting you up on Instagram and asking you a question, sending you an email, asking you for a Zoom call, taking one of your courses, they have a question about what they had on the course. 
um, that you're also trying to design new courses. Um, do you, do you have a, um, do you, do you have a, like a prioritization? Do you feel like it just naturally organically sort of flows like your attention to what's most important continuously and like flow? Um, do you also have some sort of like a structural, like analysis of, of, um, like, like, oh, there has been a backlog that has picked up of, of replies that I need to get to. How has that process been like for you as somebody mm -hmm. that's emerged more and more as teaching? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a, that's an interesting question. No one's ever asked me that. Uh, as I think about it, I think it's, it's mostly intuitive. I just sort of do the best I can with what's happening. And I try to give my energy and attention to whatever life seems to be demanding the most of it. Um, yes. so I can't, um, overextend myself in any one direction. I found, um, martyrdom becomes a big part of it, right? Like, I got to answer every single question, every email, every DM, every comment. Uh, it just becomes impossible because, you know, you're only one person in this relative reality. So I, that's why I agree with you that creating different courses, creating content and putting many, many modalities out there that people can, whatever path is resonating with them, if they're interested in law of one or ACIM or just basic non-duality teachings, you know, you've got different things available. But yeah, I'm just really always trying to be present with what's showing up and uh, what's what's demanding the most of my attention right now and just to be with that. And it takes a lot of self-love to get to the place in any career, any profession, but certainly like teaching when you're like, I'm just tired. Like, yeah, I have a backlog. I've got all these people that are saying, hey, I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. Help me. But I can't give the best version of myself when I'm burnt out. Yep. So the most loving thing to do for me, for everyone involved is to rest for now. I'll yes. come back to this tomorrow. That's been a hard one. Yes. I think for all of us, Yes. but it is an aspect of the love and wisdom balance. I think. Cool. So good. Wow. So beautiful. Um, I, I want to, I want to mention again, um, what you said earlier about uh, the, the that the very thought of I am incomplete or not enough is exactly what creates the sense of separation. It creates the sense of lack or unworthiness or needing to get something to be whole. Um, and if we sort of nip that one in the butt right off the bat, um, yeah. the sense of wholeness or love that arises from their light. Oh, I love that. So I, th I think that that's really critical for all of us that are listening is that specific thing. Mm -hmm. Like from this episode, that's such a good direct pointing, like right at the source, right at the heart of it, um, right at like the direct path of it. That was so good, Aaron. So good. Yeah. It's, it's a teaching that endlessly um, teaches me more every single day. You just, you just become more aware of the ways you're still perceiving lack and it's like, I don't, I don't know if that ever ends at a certain point. And it's like, it's almost an endless deepening you can have because abundance is infinite. So it's almost it makes me wonder if the realization of abundance will just keep happening, um, which I have no problem with because it's, it's an exciting and blissful journey to become more aware, more aware, more aware of what's available and begin actualizing it. Yes. And like unite 
um, more and more intimately and truthfully and honestly with what was um, what gave rise to you. You like you, yeah, you like you become in source, you remembering source like that deepens, deepens, deepens. And the way you express yourself purifies and purifies and purifies. And that that's yeah. the lesson that we go on this adventure into. And then there's that great video that Aubrey and um, Charles recently published on, um, on uh, Aubrey's channel about how it's like we decided, Aaron, we decided to come on behalf of this one infinite creator to come to this collective and to go through this soul journey um, and to serve this collective in its process. And just like that insight also is so can be so powerful too, is that um, I purposely created for myself this divine experience um, and the school, the school, the school, the school, it's, it can take you so far to see it as, as a school. Um, yeah. Like Ram Dass says, who was it that said that to Ram Dass? Um, you're already in the university now. Might as well start taking the curriculum. Yeah. Motherfucker. You're already <laughs> in the university, baby. That's right. This is the university, man. We're enrolled already. Yes. Yes. And, and um, yeah, Ben also said something recently interesting too, is like, you're already in the, like the war zone. Like, this is it. Like, so do the STO, do the service to others. There's nothing else you can do. No amount of extracting uh, any try, any kind of external thing for happiness will work. It won't. Mm -hmm. So you may as well go so hard towards service to others now and right, for the right. rest of your life. You're already in the war zone. You're you're um, you're already in the university. Yeah, it's so good, man. When you say that, it um, sparks a metaphor I use sometimes uh, about the journey of service to others and how it allows us to leave this density and move to a fourth density consciousness. If you imagine like if you fell asleep every night and you kept having the same nightmare of being in a war zone and there's just landmines blowing up, body parts flying, people dying, blood everywhere, just absolute hell and chaos. And you have this nightmare every night. And so you're in the nightmare and you're terrified. So you're, you're shooting your gun and trying to kill as many people as possible out of fear, out of the belief that you're separate. And But nevertheless, every night you keep having that same dream. And then at a certain point, it, it occurs to you, maybe if I change my relationship to the dream, it'll stop happening. So the next night you get in the dream and you start, you put the weapon down and you start running around rendering medical aid, right? To people and dragging them to safety and, and rescuing as many people as you can. And then all of a sudden the dream changes into a beautiful dream. And then it leaves your experience and you stop having that nightmare. Like it's a perfect analogy for what third density is. Yeah. We're here to experience polarity light and dark and make whatever choice our soul authentically wants light or dark, but make no mistake. You will not leave this realm until you choose light or dark. And so when you start living from service to others, that is your declaration to the universe, right? This is the path I'm choosing. I have committed to this path. This is my way out of this density. And at a very, um, the universe doesn't require too much of us. It's like, just show me your heart's devoted to love and service. And then you've, you've passed that grade of school, right? You can go to the next grade. Uh, we just don't realize the game we're playing. And that becomes the real challenge of third density.
such a good analogy and such a good dream metaphor. So perfect. Yeah. So you're in the war zone. You're in the war zone. Stop shooting and Stop be killing a, people. Yeah, be a medic. Yeah. And um and then Shambhala manifests and then it's the end of the dream and then before you know it you're onto another more difficult, more complicated, more adventurous dream where you'll also forget and start with shooting people. Um, so good. So good, bro. What a good way to wrap. I'm, I'm like so in love with this. This is really strong. Like I feel a really cool brotherhood emerging here. And Likewise, brother. So good. It's so good. It's, it's like, like, bro, like I just have a whole page full of goodies. Wow from today's a plus content. student man yeah it's so good bro you're like there's just so many good ones and um and like the the tennis was really good and um and i think it's just the beginning of being able to like have these great wisdoms and, and loves loves and wisdoms uh, arrive <laughs> <laughs> together and um and perhaps even the beginning of some more conversations, maybe some co-creations on some course stuff too. Um, there's so much good to to blossom from here. Some co-creations on Shambhalas on the on the planets next architectures. So most definitely, I'm so pumped, bro! Yeah, I so appreciate pumped. you having me on, man. I've loved it. It's been a blast. So good to hear. Yeah, there's many more. I want to share. Let's see if I can get. Uh, some of the content up. Yes. Okay. So let's start off uh, with this is, uh, yeah, this is Aaron's Instagram. You can go and give him a follow. All these links are in the bio below. Um, by the way, you also have, um, this is his link tree link. You can find um, the living the course, which is here. Um, this is the year long um, for a course in miracles. Um, with him and Mark Anthony Lord. And then you can find also here the Master Your Mind. And that's here, the Master Class. This is such a cool feature, man. It's so nice. I love it's it. So nice. And then, yeah, restream, baby. Love this. And like, and like, uh, hopefully other people can see like how easy it is. Just hit this up, show available time slots, book your free discovery call. This is a great way um, to just shatter through um, any egoic uh, layers, uh, increase metacognition, um, bring forth happiness, lasting happiness, becoming the creator. Um, so this one's great. It's only eight weeks. Um, the Law of One Book Club also. Um so this is Aaron and Krista Williams. So this is another one that you guys can check. This is so good for Law of One. So good, guys. Um, so this link's in the bio. And then also the Conscious Vitality is also in the bio. Um, yeah. So that's some of, the, some of the core offerings that you guys can check out. Um, and definitely uh, just even the simple subscription also to his YouTube channel is another great place um, to, and like, like if this video brought you value, also like it and share it with people. This is another great way to share what Aaron represents with people sharing the video itself, liking it, subscribing to the channel, commenting below with what, you know, what was said that really resonated with you. Um, drop it in the comments and let us know. And we would love to, we would love to hear from you. 
and yeah, that's, that's all. Any, uh, any closing, closing thoughts? Oh man, this has just been such an enjoyable conversation. I love how easy it is to drop into flow with you. Um, I do so many podcasts and, uh, you know, everyone has their own unique style and that's fine. But a lot of times podcasts are, the questions are scripted. And so there's, there's always like a break. Like we go from one topic and then let's talk about ACIM and then tell me about law of one. And we just jump around and it feels kind of disconnected. But I love when I can talk with someone who we let the conversation itself dictate what happens. And I think we had a really uh, delicious flow in this conversation. So I appreciate you uh, and the way you facilitate, man. Thanks so much. It was, it was so nice that that summarizes it really well for me too. Um, and it's organic like that with, uh, with right. when the vibration is like harmonized together like that. Yeah. Um, cause then we hit all of the topics that were divinely meant to arise in the convo and, and yep. so many yep. more, so many more to come. Um, so thank you everyone for tuning in. Love you so much. Yeah. Thanks Aaron again for coming. Love, on the guys. Show. So much love, so much love. Um, I'll end, I'll end the stream and then you and I will stay in the studio for just a minute. Okay, cool. Bye everyone.